Hello and welcome to another episode of the Small Agency Talk Show. I'm your host, Chip Griffin, the founder of Saga, the Small Agency Growth Alliance. And I am delighted to have with me today two regular panelists who are going to bring a really good conversation to the table because we already started talking about it in the green room and hopefully we'll remember a couple of the good points now that we're live and on the air for everybody else. But Marcel Petipa and Ken Jacobs, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Chip. Nice, so before nice we, to be back. Before I introduce the, the topic at hand, why don't you each just give a very brief overview of yourselves and let folks know where they can find you. So Marcel, take it away. Sure. I'm Marcel Petipop, CEO at Parakeeto. We're a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their performance and install the systems that are required for things like tracking time, managing projects, and ultimately getting good insights out of the data that's created by those systems. Excellent. And Ken? I am Ken Jacobs, Jacobs Consulting and Executive Coaching. I help agencies, primarily agencies, primarily PR, grow business, manage business for profit, improve client service, enhance team performance, leadership communications. We do that through consulting and training. And more and more and more, I work with the CEOs, presidents, owners, heads of those agencies to become more inspired, inspiring, and effective leaders. And we do that through one-on-one -on -one leadership coaching. Excellent. Well, you both bring a, a wealth of knowledge and expertise to the table here and some experience working with agencies that I think will be interesting for our listeners. And so what I, what we started talking about in the green room and what I think would be interesting to explore here is sort of the, the intersection between the two specialties that you bring to the table. So numbers and profitability, leadership and management. And so let's start with thinking about as, a, as an owner, how do we communicate effectively with our teams about numbers and profitability? In other words, how transparent should we be? How should we be sharing this information? Ken? Well, I, I would lean into transparency. I would, uh, they're already, they already know one another's salaries, so it's probably no shock there. You may not want to share yours as the agency owner, but there is evidence that companies and leaders who are transparent, more transparent, there's real results there. Better stock price if you're on the market, better profitability, better loyalty, better psychological safety among your troops. So I would say lean into transparency so long as you're providing context. And I'll send it over to Marcel to, I know he's got a point of view about that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm largely in line uh, with Ken's point of view. We run an extremely transparent company ourselves. We encourage our clients to do that as well. In my experience, the things that are, are often getting in a client's way, however, of doing that is that they don't even really have the numbers themselves. And so they, right. there's, there's things they want to be transparent about, but they're not even measuring them properly. They don't fully understand those things. And often the owner, um, you know, rightfully so, has some insecurity about opening up a conversation about a concept that they don't fully understand themselves. And I think there is a point in time, there's a certain amount of, um, you know, understanding that needs to be built so that that conversation can be opened uh, in a productive way. And then there are going to be questions and challenges and digging into the details from the team that can often help solidify and harden those ideas and build that understanding. So I think for a lot of owners, there's this question of, you know, how do I get to a place where I have the numbers and the confidence in those numbers to even start bringing that to the team? Because I would say that most people 
would like to be more transparent, but often have fears, uh, insecurities, or just operational gaps that are getting in their way of being able to do that. Yeah. And just building on that, you know, I always say fear is not a good business strategy, so we've got to get over it. I'm a little shocked at what you said, that there are, you know, agency owners who really don't get the numbers yet. But but at the same time, you know, I when I speak to agency owners, why did you find the found the agency? Well, I love PR and I'm good at client service. And well, none of that matters. If you're going to be a successful agency owner, you've got to be a successful business person, an entrepreneur, a small business person. Uh, otherwise, you're just not going to succeed. And so if you've opened your firm without those skills and that understanding and that mindset, the small business owner mindset, you, you, you've got to get it. You've got to get it right. because you will not be. And it is not enough to be good in PR or content or digital or marketing or any of those things. It is about running a business. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I think there are a couple of good points in here that I'd, I'd like to highlight. And, you know, the fact is most agency owners didn't get into the game because they wanted to run a business. Most agency owners are accidental owners in some way, shape or form. Maybe they started out as a freelancer because they were between jobs and it mushroomed into something and, oh, look, I've got a business now. Maybe I should do something with it. And, and so that's a very common story. And if you don't come into it with the business knowledge, you need to find a way to acquire it. And some people have worked in midsize or larger agencies where there may be a finance team or others who can share this information, but a lot don't come from that world. Maybe they came from in-house, maybe they were a journalist. And so all of those things mean that they, they need to learn on the job and you can't communicate these things effectively to your team if you don't understand them yourselves. Related to that, you know, one of the things that we deal with a lot at Parakeeto is uh, coming in behind uh, bad management of these conversations. And so this is counterproductive to the conversation that we're having a little bit, but I've seen the effects of people trying to start, you know, putting metrics and numbers in front of their team and doing so without understanding those things, exposing, you know, some metrics, but not the other ones that should be exposed at the same time to counterbalance. And then I come in and I end up you know, talking to them about utilization, for example, and all of a sudden, you know, capacity is is all convoluted because they're trying to strip out holidays and non-billable time. The definition of a billable hour has been extended to include things that are clearly not billable. The effectiveness of utilization in order to answer the questions as to that the answer has completely gone out the window. And you see the same thing with things like gross margin. And so I've seen the effects of not really being thoughtful and not really having a solid understanding when exposing these metrics to the team and then letting the process of, you know, because there is this natural process where the team's going to dig in, they're going to ask questions, they're going to wrestle with the incentive structure that those metrics start to introduce to them and the feedback loop that it creates for their performance and not understanding the, the boundaries that should be in place around what can be adapted in a metric and what can't um, because of the effects, of course, that changing the definition of metric has on, on the feedback that it's providing. So perfect example of this, I had an agency owner that was like, I don't know why we're not profitable. Our, our utilization is like 85%. And then I came to find out that they did a four day work week. And so I was like, well, your utilization is not 85%. It's that number minus one day a week multiplied by the 20 people on your team. But because you, you know, changed the definition of utilization because your team felt like it was an unfair reflection of, you know, that they took vacation time, paid time off because the definition of capacity within that number changed, 
Now you actually don't have visibility into the fact that utilization is your biggest challenge as an agency or that, you know, you, you need to charge more to compensate for your, you know, progressively low utilization because you're offering this four day work week. So this was a perfect example of somebody that couldn't see the problem in the numbers, even though they were tracking the right number because they were tracking it in the wrong way. But they, so, but so, they oh, knew oh, something oh. was wrong, right? Because they hired you at least. So, I mean, that, that's the key. If, if you are not conversant and knowledgeable and comfortable in all this, and I think, I think we've got to be comfortable with numbers. They're just numbers, right? But you've to, to again, be a successful agency owner, be a successful business person. You, you either have to bring it or you've got to hire someone and be open to it. And look, I always say when we, we, you know, we have a fiscal best practices engagement. And I always say, you know, here's where the agency is stacking now versus standard, you know, fiscal best practices. Here's what you'd have to do to get there. It's your choice to implement. And here's, here's how we can get there. But it's up to you. It's up to you. But it's got to start with that knowledge. And like, can you imagine someone running an integrated, you know, launching an integrated communications agency, not really knowing much about PR or not really knowing much about advertising or content? Or, I mean, it's insane. And yet, and yet, from what you're saying, and in my experience, they, they're, they're doing it as well. And what a, what a lost op, you know, it's not an easy game, right? It's not an easy career that our clients and prospects have been, you know, drawn to or that call to them or they've chosen or it's chosen them. It's not easy. Why not get some help? And, and why not make some money? No, why not make some money? Right. Yeah, make, making money is a, a good thing. And, and if you're not, then why are you taking on all the risk and stress of, of running a business? But, you know, I think we're, we've all agreed that we are in favor of transparency. We're, we were all agreed that the owner needs to understand the, the numbers and that there's a lot of complexity in the data. Um, in, and so, you know, grasping that first before you can share with your team is important. But, but now let's, let's assume that we've gotten that far. Ken, how do we share this information with our team without it coming across as just a data dump, right? Yeah. That just, that confuses them. How do we, particularly if we're an agency that, that historically has not been transparent yeah. with its team, well, how do you, how do you begin transparency in an effective way? So a couple of thoughts come to mind, you know, it's never too early to start. It's never too early to get better. So you don't look back at, well, here's where we've messed up and have like, what do we want this to look like in the future? So part of that is that mindset. Number two is to acknowledge that for every employee, it's what's in it for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so I think the key is, is first of all, not to think here's what the agency leadership wants to share, but start with what do my, what do I want my employees to, to understand, retain, and maybe even repeat to themselves and one another. So it's keeping it fairly simple, right? And understanding all those things and then putting into context, helping them understand that when an agency is profitability, that could mean better benefits. That could mean greater investment in technology and other things. You know, so they've got to understand that, for example, when it's a tightly run ship, not overly tight, but well-managed ship, that there are benefits to everyone in this room. Start 
Don't start with the features, start with the benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what you get if, if we can get to this agency standard of profitability. And I, and I think too many agency owners think, oh, I wish they acted as if they owned the firm, but they don't, right? You do. Right. You're going to reap most of the money. So, so let's get out of that mindset and instead work with them to really understand what this means and the benefits to everyone if we can improve profitability, e- even a little bit at first, even a little bit. Yeah, that, that, that's always one of my pet peeves, by the way, because a lot of owners will say to me, I, I wish they would think more like an owner. Why would they? Did, They're did not. You, did you give them some stop? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean that'll you do know. It. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredibly unlikely that someone is going to behave yeah. like something they are not. And to expect that is kind of silly, but, but Marcel, so, you know, it, the clients that you work with, what are you mm-hmm. seeing in, in regards to transparency? Are they share after they've worked with you for a while, have they started to share more with their teams? And, and if so, what have you observed from that process? Yeah, it, it's a central part of our thesis, and we call this the the agency profitability flywheel. And there's four parts to it. The first part is a data feedback loop. So it's about documenting your assumptions, which, as you know, the most basic of all, all things a lot of agencies are not doing a very good job of, which is when we sold this project, what were the expectations? What did we sell it for? How much time did we expect that to take? Are those assumptions structured in a way that makes sense, that maps to how we think about resource planning, that maps to how we think about our departments and so on, so we can project those out into the future? And then are we measuring what actually happened so that when we sit down to have a conversation with our team, everyone's sitting on the same side of the table agreeing on what happened? Because when we don't do this, what ends up happening in retrospectives, in my experience, is so much of the time is wasted on people arguing about what they believe happened during the project because there's no data to look at. And so that conversation is not very productive and often can cause challenges. Whereas if we can all just objectively say, okay, here's the data. We thought it was going to take this much time. It took twice as much time. Why is that? Then as a team, you can start to create buy-in. And, you know, it's funny people want their team to um, think like owners, but they give them no ownership and they give them, you know, no opportunity to create buy-in. So in this process, as an owner, if you can just sit down and say, here are the facts, we spent twice as much time as we expected to on this website. What's the challenge? Then the team can come to you and say, well, you know, we this this thing was not asked in the discovery process and it ended up causing an issue. There is a lot of friction in the process where we hand it off from design to development. And, you know, we, we should work on that. And when they come up with these ideas and they come up with these insights, they're much more likely to have ownership over those things to actually follow through. And once you build that understanding, Eventually, as an owner, you can remove yourself from that conversation because what you've done is organically taught your team how to sit down, look at that information, interpret it, and then have an intelligent conversation around it. And that is the flywheel that essentially can bake you know, efficiency and balancing of the incentives into the business in a very organic way. But it takes a lot of deliberate effort at first, and it takes a lot of facilitation of those conversations until the team starts to understand how to facilitate that conversation themselves. Well, I, I think it's really important that you've talked about how you can empower your team to be part of the solution as you're sharing more information. And, and they, you want to help your team understand how little decisions that they make along the way can have a big impact at the end of the day. So, for example, one of the examples I usually share with folks is, let's say that you've you know, you've, you've budgeted 10 hours a month from a certain employee working on a particular client project. And 
let's say each week they say, well, you know, I, I, I just spent an extra 30 minutes writing the press release or perfecting the web design because it just, I, I could make it just that much better. It was only 30 minutes. Well, at the end of the month, you've now spent two additional hours, which again, in, in absolute terms, doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a 20% cost increase that you've now brought to the project. And so if you're able to share this information, you're able to give them context so that they understand how those little decisions can have an impact and more so how you can help them if they're not spending that time, because now that's now 30 minutes that they can't spend on another project that you had budgeted for them for. And so that's why we have people feeling like they're burned out because we're making poor decisions on how we're allocating our time. And I, I think so much of it goes back to the original poor budget to the client. You know, I know a lot of unfortunate uh, agencies where they base it on previous similar budgets, but not what we really spent to execute those similar projects. Yes. You know, if, if every year you budget a hundred and it costs 120, you got to start budgeting a hundred and like you got to face it. That's number yeah. one. Number two, especially with the new clients, especially with new clients, if you think it's going to take, let's say a hundred grand in fees, seriously, budget like 20% above it. The client doesn't know because you don't know what kind of client they're going to be. You don't know how much handholding, you don't know how much following you're going to need to do, follow up to get stuff done. You don't know how, how necessarily how much reporting they need. It's it. And you know, if you end up not spending it, you, you can spend it in activity on the client behalf, or you can really make a very nice profit on that account for the first year, but you just don't know what it will take to manage and lead that client. And you've got to have a reserve for that. I think yeah. that's one of well, the biggest mistakes clients make, but it's also one of the smartest things they can do is put in a big reserve. Well, and, and that also assumes that they're accurately tracking what it costs to execute the work in well, the first place, yeah. right? Because, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but my experience is most agencies are really bad at doing that, mm -hmm. particularly smaller agencies, right? Because they haven't built in the processes. They're not doing the time tracking. They're not, to the extent they, they look at profitability, they look at it agency-wide and not client by client. And if you're not looking at it in a more granular way, you can't make those intelligent pricing decisions so that you're able to scale effectively. And more often than not, when I ask uh, an agency owner, tell me who your most profitable clients are. They almost always tell me their highest revenue clients. But I can tell you from experience, that is almost never the case. Yeah. Almost never are your, most, your highest revenue clients also your most profitable because you tend to over-service them because you're afraid you're going to lose them. And so yeah. you just, you'll do anything to keep them. And so you tend to, to have a very low profit margin. I've seen agencies that are straight up losing money on their largest clients. Why would you do that? Just insane. I saw something in the feed of some PR agency group the other day. Da, 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 and the clients put it out to RFP and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we've been with them a long time. They're our biggest client and we discount our fees 20%. Oh, what? Why? Why? What? What, is, what do you think that? So you've just decided you're, you're only going to make 5% profit on that client. If you're a really good manager, it is, it is absolute insanity. Well, and, and, and a lot of owners talk themselves into the notion that, well, you know, it, that logo is going to help us win other business or well, but we'll eventually be able to grow it or eventually we'll be able to, to make up for that. No, no, don't do work that you can't do profitably period. 
in story. Yep. This is something I say all the time. Most agencies are suffering from indigestion, not starvation. They just happen to feel the same, especially on the P&L. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, Chip, like most agencies are really bad at time tracking. And in my experience, there's two ways in which they can be bad at time tracking. The first is that there is no compliance. No one's really doing it. No one's on top of their timesheet. So there's just no data coming in. Usually that's because nobody understands the importance of it. There isn't buying among the team. And it's usually because there's never been a clear explanation of how this data is going to help actually, uh, to your point earlier, kind of improve their lives, right? We can estimate things better. You work fewer evenings and weekends. We have more profitability. It's less likely you get laid off if we lose a client or we miss an RFP or we have a couple of dry months in the sales pipeline. And the flip side of that, which I see all the time, is the team is very compliant on time tracking, but the accuracy of that data is bad because the incentive structures around time tracking are bad. And mostly this is holding people accountable to a utilization target. So if this person without also exposing a counterbalancing metric like an average billable rate or you know a delivery margin or something like that. So now if Ken is only given 18 hours of work to do this week, but he knows he's going to have to meet with his manager at the end of the week and get grilled because he didn't hit his utilization target, Ken's going to take that 18 hours worth of work and he's going to turn it into 34 hours worth of right. work so yep. he can hit his utilization target. And now you have, you know, oil in the well as it relates to the, the the most important set of data in the business, which is the time tracking. So I've seen it go both ways. And ultimately, I think that I had somebody ask me about this. How do you get the team to buy into this? How do you get the team to buy into this? I said, schedule a meeting, sit down and act like you're dumb enough to believe that the data is accurate in the report and start making decisions and talking through decision making processes as if the data is real. And then your team will have to stop you and say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I didn't fill out my timesheets last week very well. Or, you know, it didn't actually take me that long. It took me a little bit less time because they'll start to see how does this actually get used? How does it actually impact? Because if they're not putting time in to meet the budget, then you can go, oh, this is amazing. I get to, you know, we can sell twice as much work and not change the size of the team. And they'll go, whoa, whoa hold on a minute. Actually, it took me a lot longer than what you're right. seeing in the data there. And then conversely, you might say, man, this is taking us twice as long as we thought. We're going to have to either double our price or we're going to have to make some adjustments to the team or we're going to have to stop selling the service altogether. And they go, whoa, whoa, hold on. Maybe, maybe it doesn't actually take that long. There's some ways right. to get it more efficient. So I think it's like force the conversation around truth, centralize the conversation around truth, and then the team realizes like, okay, the truth is what has to go in here. And right. the truth yeah. is actually going to impact me in the best well, way. And, and there are two other things I would throw into this mix. One is, frankly, a lot of agencies don't do any time tracking at all, right? So we're, we're not even to the point where we can get inaccurate information because they're just not doing it. <laughs> and, and if you don't do it at all, and it's, it's sort of become a hip it's thing not in recent accurate. years. <laughs> it's become a hip thing in recent years for, for agencies to say, oh, well, we don't do time tracking. We don't. You know, that, that's, that's the old way of doing it, you know, and, and there are some agency advisors out there who tell their clients, don't do time tracking. You shouldn't do it. I think that's bonkers. Mm. But so that's, that's one. The other is that, that far too, agents, too many agencies take advantage of the software and decide to collect all sorts of detailed data on time that they never, ever are going to use. And so it makes the process mm. so painful. Do you really need to know if someone spent this time on an email or a phone call with the client? Probably not. You just need to know that they were doing work for the client. And, and if, if you ask for more information than you really need, that also drives compliance way down. So it, yep. you've got to have accurate information. You've got to encourage the truth. And if you do, you'll be able to make some really great decisions for the business. Yeah, I think you've got to make clear to your team, there's, you must complete it accurately 
and on time. Number one, no compromise. It's essential to our business. Number two, even as you discuss utilization, you might say, hey, at your level, you should be at 77%. But we right now haven't given you enough work for that. So complete it accurately and know that as we work on all this business development and new business, we will be bringing in more business. And until we're at 77 and 82 and whatever that is, we're not going to be building the team till we get there. But we don't expect you, or let me be more positive, we, we need you to complete your timesheets accurately. And if you're underutilized, you're not blamed, you're not faulted, we will get out there and bring you more business and more projects to work on. Or if we feel you can take on more and more, we'll delegate some hours, things that were done by your boss, now maybe will be done by you, which drives profitability and that's good for everyone. Yeah, see, I, I don't think you should ever talk to an employee about utilization rates at all because it's not the employee, it's not within the employee's control. It's your, as the manager, you're deciding what they work on. So if there's a problem with their utilization rate, that's your fault, not theirs. And right. so- But so, it comes to context and understanding because the, the problem is if they don't get this, people always say they're busy. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. If someone's 77, 80% utilized and works on agency marketing, I'm like, yeah, they're really busy. Maybe we don't want to give them more work. But if someone's at 67% utilization and they're not helping with biz dev or marketing or morale or whatever, like they, they need to be aware that we're going to be giving them more work. So I, I think you do need to provide to me, that's part of context and part of expectation. And look, anytime there's a problem with time, it, it could be one of two things or three things. It could be we didn't budget enough hours. So we need to know that if, if every week we thought you'd spend 10 and you're productive and efficient and you're spending 13, we need to know that. We'll only know that if you're filling it out efficiently. The other thing is some people are more productive and efficient better time managers than others. And so if we have done very similar projects and it's taken the person around 10 a week and it's always taking 15, we need to talk about that. Maybe you need some professional development and help in being a better time manager because not everyone comes to it naturally. And I believe it's an important professional skill in the agency business. Absolutely. And, and, and understanding why it, why it's taking them so much longer is also yeah. helpful because sometimes it's that they need professional development. Sometimes it's that they're, they're integrating some step or piece that is unnecessary. Yeah. Right. And, and so helping them to understand, oh yeah, you don't really need to, to do that. This, this, this data point is sufficient. You don't need to go that extra mile. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of things like that. So you should absolutely be using it to ask those kinds of questions and, and get that understanding because unless you're sitting over someone's shoulder 24 hours a day, and you shouldn't be just yeah. so we're clear about that. You're not going to know. And so it, it, it starts by looking at this data to ask questions and, and explore further. So that's actually, we're, we're just about out of time here. Shockingly, we, 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 I feel like we've just, you know, touched the tip of the iceberg here for the things that we could be talking about, but I do always try to make sure that we wrap up by 1230 on Eastern time for all of these shows. So before we do wrap up, though, if someone is interested in learning more from either of you, maybe discussing some of these topics more in depth, where can they find you, Marcel? 
uh, they can head to parakeeto.com and check out the Agency Profit Podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And we post all kinds of content about this, you know, detailed guides on how to measure these metrics, how to do time tracking, how to implement the flywheel. Uh, and you can also grab a free toolkit that teaches you how to implement the Agency Profitability Flywheel at parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. I'm also on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out to me there if you have any questions and like to chat. Perfect. Thank you, Marcel. And Ken? Uh, com is the website. Ken at com is the email. I'm also on LinkedIn, but when you look, look for Ken Jacobs, PCC, CPC, some of the initials after my name, because there are a lot of Ken Jacobs on LinkedIn. You want to get the there's, there's really only one Ken Jacobs, yeah. but... LinkedIn apparently thinks there are others, but I you know. are one of a kind, Ken. My goodness. And, and Ken, you also have a video podcast. I do, Taking the Lead, where we get to interview great, respected leaders in the field, all from the PR world, but we don't talk about PR. We talk about leadership and leading others and leading challenges. And I'm, I gotta, I'm just amazed some of the top leaders and agencies of all sizes spend time with us that that amazes me but they're so generous with their thinking and they're so humble and they're so vulnerable and they are always willing to share the missteps if i remember to ask them the missteps they had along the leadership journey so yeah you can find taking the lead on the website and we have a jacobs consulting and executive coaching youtube channel and that's where all those interviews are. Thank you for reminding me. Excellent. I, I, I'm your marketing agent. What can I say? You know, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a bill, Ken. I was going to uh, say, do I have to pay it, Marcel? <laughs> What's the? So, if anybody is interested in seeing past episodes of this show or any of the other videos that I put out, you can go to smallagency.tv. And if you'd like to learn more about Saga or access any of the free resources that we have, podcasts, articles, webinars, etc., go to smallagencygrowth.com. Again, I've been your host, Chip Griffin, the founder of Saga, the Small Agency Growth Alliance, and I look forward to seeing you all back here again on a future episode.